Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also check out the other 14 podcasts in our network, including the Fish Tank. That is our Dolphins Stories podcast with O.J. McDuffie, former Dolphins MVP receiver, and also Seth Levitt. And also check out Five Rings Canes with Josh Darrow, David Lake, and Andrew Ivins on the Miami Hurricanes. All right, today, as we're preparing for a Miami Heat watch party where the Heat are going to end up with the number one overall pick, <laughs> or not, <laughs> probably not, <laughs> or not, they've never moved up in their history. We're going to talk a little bit of football and get into some basketball today. We're really honored to have uh, one of the voices that I really enjoy and obviously somebody who knows something about the new savior in South Florida. His name is Dave Pash and he is the Arizona Cardinals voice. He also does a lot of college basketball and NBA. You hear him on ESPN and on other platforms. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure, Ethan. How you guys doing? We're we're doing well, and we want to start here. Actually, Chris and I earlier today were at Dolphins camp. They had their first OTA for the veterans, and Josh Rosen was out there, and he's getting asked a lot of questions. Some of them are football related, and some of them are personality related. And we want to hit on both of those with you here today, Dave, because uh, you had a tweet that came out right after the trade from Arizona to Miami uh, about basically saying that you didn't understand why people were questioning Josh Rosen's character because the people in the building uh, seemed to really like him. I want to let you speak for yourself here before we kind of go any further. What were your interactions with Josh and what did you observe? Well, my, my interactions with him were very minimal. Uh, and, and part of that is just that I'm barely around the team because, you know, I'm doing a college football game every week. So traveling Thursday. Uh, so I'm, I'm not around the team a ton, but I was during training camp and did a sit down interview with Josh and, you know, being with the team for almost 18 years now, I have a great relationship with a lot of people in the organization and work for the organization. So I'm around enough overall um but so so my opinion is my opinion but it's also uh the opinions of a lot of people that are in that room or in that building from either coaches people in the front office ownership public relations broadcasting you name it and universally there was nothing negative about josh uh everybody thought first of all that he was put in a crazy situation last year. The first time he takes the field is in the two-minute drill uh, in the fourth quarter against Chicago after Sam Bradford had fumbled the ball and was lying on the field motionless, not because he was injured, but because he was distraught over his turnover. And Steve Wilkes, first-year head coach, calls upon Josh to go into the game and try to win the game. So you're asking a lot of a rookie. Uh, in that situation. And then a couple games later, your offensive coordinator was fired. Uh, obviously, eventually the head coach is fired. The offensive line was injured throughout the year. You had no receivers. Christian Kirk, who was probably uh, Josh Rosen's favorite target next to Larry Fitzgerald, goes down maybe six games left and he misses the rest of the year. So it was an impossible situation for him to succeed last year. So let's just, in terms of his performance, that's the first thing. But in terms of who Josh is, uh, again, my interaction with him uh, was in training camp mostly. 
occasionally when I would see him in the meal room at the hotel. Uh, but his teammates liked him. The coaches liked him. Uh, Josh is different in the sense that he has, you know, he thinks a lot. There's a story about uh, being on the tarmac and someone is sitting behind Josh and Josh makes a comment like, uh, we, we have all this, uh, we have incredible evolution of travel in our country, yet airplanes seem to be getting worse. <laughs> and it was actually pretty interesting as he was sitting there staring at a plane. Uh, so, I mean, he thinks about other things. He has other interests, but he obviously loves football. He worked incredibly hard. Uh, Charlie Casserly had a report that, you know, I don't even know if it was a report or an opinion that, you know, he would leave early and wouldn't work hard and was known for a poor work ethic. I never saw that. I never heard that. I even asked after he was traded, people that were, traded him, like, is there anything that I don't know? You know, was there anything that maybe I didn't see or others didn't see that you guys saw? And they said, nope. This had nothing to do with Josh. It was all about, they felt Kyler Murray was a once in a lifetime type player that could change the franchise. But I know a year ago, they were saying similar things about Josh. So, uh, But I, I can tell you guys just from, again, uh, all these people that have talked about Josh on the record, off the record, there was nothing negative about him. And I think Dolphins fans would like to hear that. I think so far in our limited ex- experience, uh, that has been the case. But I, you obviously commentate on all the games, so you, you watch all of them up close, and, and you describe that situation that might have been impossible to succeed in, particularly that early uh, throw into the deep end of you know leading a two-minute drill as your first NFL experience. Um, can you describe to us the, the, the 13 starts that he had and just in general how his season progressed? Did you feel like he was getting better? Or did the situation prevent that? Well, I thought, you know, the, the game in Green Bay, the fact the Cardinals had not won at Lambeau and, and he engineered that win, that, that does say something about him. I know that was, you know, the end of the Mike McCarthy era and the Packers were a mess, but still uh, it, it was snowing sideways in the middle of December and Josh Rosen led the Cardinals to a victory at Green Bay. Um you know, I do think he regressed some as the season went on, but I also think that that ties into the fact that, again, Christian Kirk was out and their offensive line was decimated by injuries. And, you know, again, at that point, too, in November, December, I think we all knew that there was going to be a coaching change. And, you know, after one year, the offensive coordinator again had been fired. It it was just a situation where, you know, even if you had a veteran quarterback, you're asking a lot for him to succeed. Uh, The other thing about Josh, too, that I think everybody appreciated and I think won him over in that locker room is just how tough he was. And it is. I mean, he, he got smoked. And he did that at UCLA, too. You know, he got hit a lot and he would bounce back and not let it bother him. Uh, You know, when you look at the numbers and you see the four pick sixes, obviously that stands out. You know, he made a lot of rookie mistakes, but he showed at at times great accuracy, arm strength, intelligence, and toughness. And those are things that I think will help him in in Miami become uh, become successful. So, Dave, where do you think it came from? Because, um, you know, it's one thing, as you said, for a regime to decide, look, we like another player better. And, and, you know, new coach comes in after the kind of failure that the Cardinals had last year with one, one year under the previous coaching regime, I know that the the front office that some of that stayed the same, but new new coach staff comes in. Guy who's a quarterback guru has a right to choose his own guy. We don't see it happen very often, but it does happen. And usually, it's just about the football. So, why do you think that all the quote unquote character stuff started to come out to exp- you know? For, and it wasn't from the Cardinals organization. It came from the outside. 
Uh, why do you think that was out there? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's like there was a carryover from some of the erroneous things that came out of UCLA, uh, whether it was Jim Mora or other members of the athletic department or other people uh, on the coaching staff or boosters. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, the national perspective and perception of Josh didn't seem to change at all from what was being said about him at UCLA and around the draft. And one of the reasons he dropped in the draft, but the narrative locally again was exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, it's pretty universal locally that, what was said at UCLA and what we saw here in Arizona were two different things. So uh, I don't know if it just didn't catch on, if the story just didn't catch on, or if there were other people that still had concerns about him from UCLA. And I'm sure that's a lot of it. I mean, you know, the, the teams do their scouting reports and they rely on those scouting reports, even often years after a player has gone through the draft process because you know, they did the interviews with them. They did the, you know, the, all their film study then. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of the, the first reactions are stuff that's just based on, uh, you know, what their, their draft report said about them. So I, I think all those were factors. But, you know, again, when I go and ask people off the right, you know, is there something I missed? You know, were there things that, you know, you guys were just trying to do to facilitate a trade? You know, was there something that happened during the season? Something, uh, did he say the wrong thing? You know, there was nothing. So, uh, and again, once the trade is done, you know, a lot of times that's when maybe the truth will come out if there was anything that was being hidden, but that, that was not the case. So what was the feeling in Arizona as this was all going on? Because I, it's a bit confusing, as Ethan said, that you would replace the number 10 overall pick with the number one overall pick at quarterback. But like you said, that the, the feeling from the Cardinals front office was that this is a generational player in Kyler Murray, and they certainly have reason to believe that. But uh, what was the feeling amongst the fan base after this year? Obviously, the coaching change uh, sort of affects the perception of things. Um, but was there confidence that Josh Rosen could have turned this around in year two and, and, and still had the trust of the fan base and the belief of the fan base? Or do you think that for the most part, this group, this group of fans was, we want, you know, Kyler Murray is there. We like Kyler Murray. Let's bring him in. And, you know, and Josh Rosen, we gave it a year, but we're done with it. I think fans are lukewarm, honestly, on the Kyler Murray thing. Uh, I think, again, it's more of a story nationally. It, I'm not saying that people aren't excited here. I think the Cardinals are excited and all the things I've heard about Kyler Murray are really good. And I, I, you know, had one of his games last year at Oklahoma and think that, think that he's incredibly talented. Uh, I, I still think that people were, you know, felt that Josh would have success this year, that he was going to take that next step. Uh, but I also think that, you know, Kyler Murray brings something unique, uh, a skill set that's different, um, that is going to get people excited. It's going to help attendance. It's going to help TV ratings. I mean, I think uh, I'm not saying that those are reasons they drafted him, but, you know, I don't think that th there were a lot of people excited about the offense. Uh, and I also think, too, you know, Steve Kime, um, you know, who knows what his future would have been like if the team, you know, goes five and 11 has a two win improvement. Uh, and Josh Rosen shows a little bit of improvement, but the team is a ways off. You know, if, if you, if Kyler Murray has success and, and you still only win two more games, um, you know, you're the guy that drafted Kyler Murray. You're the guy that hired Cliff Kingsbury. It's almost like it's a reset for Steve as the GM. And I think he probably said, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know how much longer I have here. Uh, I, you know, I think he, Wanted to take Russell Wilson back in 2012 and, and didn't pull the trigger to move up in the third round to do it because there were questions about the height. And he also didn't, at that point, didn't have full control. 
He wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes a few years ago and they got jumped by Kansas City. So I think he probably felt that if, if he's going to go down, he might as well go down swinging, get the head coach he wants, uh, get the quarterback he wants. And if it succeeds, you you maybe change the game forever. And so I think there were, there was a lot at stake for him. And I'm not saying that those are things that he's consciously thinking of, but you know, if you just kind of put the pieces together, that all makes sense uh, as to why you, you, you do this and, and move on from Josh. So, Dave, one of the concerns that a lot of people down here have, including my co-hosts and others in our network, is that there's a ba- there's a ceiling on Josh Rosen that uh, we just kind of lived through seven years of Ryan Tannehill w- waiting for the breakout that never came. And then there was an injury and then there was regression. And, you know, now it just looks like we wasted a, a lot of time on a bad marriage, basically. Uh, so what do you view? And I, I know you're not a talent evaluator in there looking at the film with, you know, with, with the executives there, but you, you got a chance to see him. As you said, you saw him win a game in green Bay. You knew what the circumstances were in terms of not much around him. What do you see as his upside? Can he, in your view, can he be an upper echelon guy at some stage or, or is this just sort of for dolphins fans kind of hoping for, you know, what we just had in Ryan Tannehill, which, which for a lot of people was not enough. Well, like obviously you never know. And, you know, what he went through this year can, can could help him. It can also hurt him uh, because, you know, when you've been hit as much as he has been hit, you go back and you look at David Carr, right, in 2002 or whatever it was with Houston. And we saw it with Blaine Gabbert when he came to Arizona a few years ago. You see ghosts. Uh, you know, your, your feet get quicker. Your release gets quicker um, because – uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not sure what you're seeing because you're so used to getting hit. You're almost anticipating that. Uh, and, and hopefully that's something he can move on from. You know, Carson Palmer, I think, did a great job of having NFL success despite going through some rough times where, you know, he just got hammered every game. It's just getting knocked down, you know, three, four times a quarter. And hopefully that's something Josh can overcome. And that, that's always a concern with a young quarterback that's been on a bad team. But I think the upside is there because of the arm strength, the intelligence, the accuracy. So, uh, but look, it's, you know, Ryan Tannehill, who there were a lot of people going into his last year at A&M. Uh, you know, he, he was a receiver for the most part. I remember doing one of his games at A&M. And at the time it was early in the year and people weren't even talking about him as a first round quarterback. You know, Josh Rosen, as soon as he came into college football, people were talking about him in the NFL. So you just don't know how guys are going to translate, whether they'll be able to pick it up quickly. Um, I don't know that a lot of people saw Lamar Jackson having the success that that he had this year. Uh, I know it's just a snapshot and he's got a long way to go. But, you know, and there's no, you know, Baker Mayfield had a good year, but, you know, you almost have to do it two or three years in the NFL for people really to say, you know, you're a franchise quarterback. Uh, that's why the jury's still out on Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. They've shown flashes, and there have been times where people have wanted to say they're franchise quarterbacks, but there has to be consistency. There has to be availability, and time is going to tell with, with Josh on, on that, but I do think he has upside to be a very good NFL quarterback. One of the things that he's talked about um, is uh, Uncle Larry Fitzgerald is, is how he affectionately refers him to, uh, refers to him as. And Larry Fitzgerald's influence really on that entire locker room and staying there throughout the entire of his pro career, I imagine is something uh, that is really cherished in Arizona. What would Josh Rosen have gotten out of that experience of playing with a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, with a guy um, who obviously has so much to offer from an off-the-field and a professionalism standpoint? Uh, he, he talks about him so highly. What do you think or what do you imagine he experienced with Larry 
Yeah, I think he's an encourager. He he treats all of his teammates the same. Um, you know, he he practices hard. He studies hard. He is very inviting. He's a great teammate. And, you know, when you have a Hall of Famer that treats a rookie quarterback uh, that way, uh, it it encourages you and makes you feel comfortable and welcome. And that, that goes a long way. Um, if you know your best player is on board, um, I mean, that that's huge for a quarterback. So I think a lot of people feel that way about Larry, just, you know, his tenure with the franchise, what he's done as a player, type of person he is, the type of teammate he is. And so I'm sure that will, will certainly help Josh going forward, knowing that, Hey, if I can, if I can win over Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, player with his resume, then, you know, I can, I can succeed with anybody. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, a lot of people have had that experience with Larry. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the Five Reason Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law, L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, let's transition to a little hoop. Um, you know, I know with when you're calling a game, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and, then, and then you get four overtimes. Um, could you get into a little bit of sort of calling that particular game, uh, that experience? Because I found that to be kind of a basketball junkie series, um, you know, not one that I think the casual who's just sort of waiting for LeBron to finally appear um, is into, but, but people who really love the game. Uh, we're, we're kind of into a lot of the pieces and, and how those two teams competed against each other, how close it was. Uh, just take us through some of your experiences of calling that game. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun, and you, you never know when you go into a game, you know, obviously what you're going to get, but you certainly never expect anything to go beyond an overtime. Or- this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Too, but that just felt like that game was never going to end. That even when Jokic missed that free throw in the fourth overtime, like the assumption was, oh, he's going to go to the line and make them, and we're going to go to a fifth overtime. It was funny because our whole crew, uh, we went we went out to breakfast at about two in the morning because we got back so late and nobody could sleep. We were just all still jacked up from the game, so we're like, you know what? We all have early flights. Let's just go get some breakfast. At two in the morning. So um, it was a fun experience. And, you know, it was give Denver a lot of credit for coming back uh, after that and winning the next couple of games. Um, but I think that that showed to kind of, you know, where the Blazers are as a franchise. Uh, Terry Stotts has done a great job. Um, you know, the patience of the Blazers. I think there are a lot of people that wanted Terry Stotts fired after last year when they got swept by New Orleans. And, you know, I heard a story that Damian Lillard went to bat for his coach to ownership and he wasn't the only one but when you have your superstar player doing that um man that does a lot and i think when other players see that um you know they they buy in as well and that that's that's what i when i watch the blazers i see buy-in buy-in with their coach with the philosophy of the organization i'm not saying they're going to beat the warriors um even without duran if duran doesn't play at all but it, it's still a great story they've gotten this far, especially after losing Nurkic when they did. Right, losing Nurkic and then getting swept in the first round, as you said. And, I mean, generally, the, the movement in the NBA is, you know, first-round exits aren't good enough. Second-round exits aren't good enough. It has to be uh, competing for the championship. But uh, you were there on a night in which they, they won a four-overtime game. Uh, I, I, I would imagine that... That, that atmosphere and that building, you know, recovering, you know, recovering from that and still being behind their team when I think some fans kind of get disillusioned with, well, I don't know if we can win the championship. Now they're in a conference finals. They're going against the Warriors team without Kevin Durant. I mean, I would say they have a very outside chance, but it's still a chance to get to the NBA finals. Absolutely. And with guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, I mean, I had the Blazers a ton this year between the regular season and the playoffs. And uh, with, with those two guys, I mean, they can win a game you know Lillard wasn't great in game seven but CJ McCollum was basically won the game so they, they've got a guy and Ennis Cantor is a really good offensive player they, they've got enough firepower and you know the, the Warriors have shown obviously their warts uh, but you know they just seem to when you know you just start to doubt them and think that you know maybe their their dynasty's over uh, they they play like they did in the Houston series. So I, I think most people, you know, are giving the Blazers very little chance of competing in the series. But, you know, it's kind of like in the first round against the Clippers. I mean, Lou Williams is good enough where he can win a game or two. So if Lillard wins one and McCollum wins one, uh, you know, who knows? You know, maybe you get to game six and something crazy happens. 
Right, and and those are the kind of individuals that you need to win these sorts of playoff series we saw with Kawhi out east. Um, and I would imagine in interviews that you do uh, about your broadcasting career, you get asked about Bill Walton a lot. But I actually want to ask you about your partner uh, that you've had a lot in this postseason. That's Doris Burke, um, a, a favorite of the internet and, and one of the better analysts uh, doing basketball and obviously a trailblazer in that you know, she's a woman calling NBA playoff games. Uh, what, what do you make of working with her and, and her talents as an analyst? Aren't her and Bill the same? Aren't, they, aren't her <laughs> style the exact same? Uh, you know, I've worked with Doris uh, in, on different platforms for about 20 years. When I was back uh, at Syracuse doing football and basketball there, I would uh, do some of the New York Liberty games on radio, and Doris was the analyst. This was, you know, 20 years ago. And then we did uh, WNBA and ESPN together, women's and college basketball games on ESPN together, and, you know, NBA games off and on for the last 13 years that I've been on the project. And, you know, I've always thought that, that Doris is as talented as anybody in our business. And I think, you know, she's finally getting to really show that and getting the, the notoriety over the last few years. Uh, I mean, she's all a famer, you know, she got the, uh, the award a couple of years ago. Uh, I just think, you know, she's, she is incredibly talented. She's very humble and, uh, you know, she's just great to be around. She's a fun, you know, great person great broadcaster and I have just a, a ton of respect and admire her for for what she's been able to do and you know she she's incredibly respected around the league too you know I think by the players and coaches I everybody knows that you know when Doris is talking she she knows what she's talking about she knows the game she knows the players strengths and weaknesses and you know she's not afraid to to call it like any other analyst based on what she sees and, you know, I think, again, we're, we're seeing this postseason and that four overtime game, I think, you know, it was really on display just how she broke things down and talking about some of the end game situations. Uh, you know, she's phenomenal. We'll get back to today's episode of the Five Reasons Podcast in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is Doral Toyota. Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. I've been there before. It is a fantastic location. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305 305- 680-1129 or come in the dealership. You will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go, Doral Toyota. So, Dave, you know, one of the things we talked about before the playoffs started was how the NBA would adjust to no LeBron. And it hasn't really been no LeBron because he can't stop tweeting. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he used to go zero dark six and zero dark 23, but apparently it's all bright and light now because um, he's tweeting about the broadcast. He's tweeting about everything that's going on. Um, I know the ratings are down in general, which I kind of anticipated without you know, the presence of a polarizing figure like him. Uh, But how do you think in general the playoffs have gone? And I guess the larger question, which is um, something that Chris and I have talked about here a lot on the pod, is is who's next? I mean, mean, who's the next polarizing figure that will get people to watch for better or worse? Because I don't think it's Kawhi. Um, I don't know if it's the Warriors at this point, because as you said, they're they're kind of on the wheezing end of of this thing. Uh, You know, I... I don't feel like it's Giannis because everybody seems to like him. 
and Harden's out. So so how how do you get more eyeballs in that case when when it seems like most people are sort of neutral on the players that are left? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, for for someone like me that you know covers the league and loves the league, uh, I mean, I thought the, the the conference semifinals was a phenomenal round. The first round, just with the lack of game sixes, wasn't great, but. I, I thought this last round, there were just some great games, some great finishes. We already talked about the four overtime game, the game seven game winner by, you know, Kawhi, uh, the way the Warriors played in the last couple of games against Houston. Uh, it, 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 you know, the second round was great. Uh, and I hear what you're saying. You know, you got Toronto and you have Milwaukee. So you have a small market and a Canadian franchise. You have the Warriors, who I think a lot of people are tired of um, just because it's you know, year after year, they're they're here. And then you have, you know, the underdog Blazers and again, a small market. So I get it. And you've been used to LeBron the last eight years. You know, the Celtics are gone. The Sixers are gone. Uh, you know, the Clippers are out. Uh, the Knicks obviously are out. So, uh, you know, I think the future is probably Zion Williamson. You know, I think there's more eyeballs on the, uh, you know, the draft lottery than yeah, maybe some of the playoff games just because of, you know, it, it's a potentially game-changing player, you know, the next LeBron, and not just in terms of how he looks, but somebody that can captivate the fans and, you know, uh, people will line up to see. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think the NBA is in good shape, even post-LeBron which we're still a couple years away from that, obviously. I can't let you go without uh, asking you about Bill Walton. I heard Mike Breen, uh, the broadcaster, give a great interview uh, to SI where he was saying that the thing about working with Bill Walton is you have to be listening all the time. It's not about necessarily taking in the director's instructions and all that. When Bill is talking, you have to be prepared for anything that he is going to say. Uh, what kind of broadcasting high-wire act is that for you? Yeah, yeah man, you got to have your head on a swivel. I mean, you got to be paying attention to the game. Um, you, you've got to be paying attention to the stats, the trends, and obviously you have to be paying attention to Bill. And, you know, it's been, you know, my first, my first broadcast with him was actually on the NBA uh, about 13 years ago. And I mean, I remember, you know, he was going off about, I think LeBron, it was a Cleveland Chicago game and LeBron took his headband off and kind of threw it. Um, and he started shouting that was a technical foul, uh, and he just was going off, and, and I just kind of let him go. And I, I think part of it was I was so focused on, okay, time and score, uh, who's got how many points, what's going on in the game, and it's not that I didn't hear him. It's just you kind of assumed it was going to go away, and, it, and he kept harping on it, and I got a call, I think it was the next week, from Mike Tirico saying, hey, you have to stop him. And so I kind of filed that away, like, stop him, stop him. And then they put us together when ESPN got the Pac-12 deal seven years ago. And so I just, those two words, stop him, stop him, just kind of like were ingrained in my mind. And so when we started working together, you know, uh, you had to listen. You know, in order to stop him, you have to be able to listen to what he's saying so you, you know how to stop him and redirect him. So um, it, it's something that it, I, I, it, it's a work in progress. <laughs> But it's become uh, it's become challenging and fun at the same time. And I know Mike, you know, has some great stories about working with Bill. And I mean, we could probably be here for an hour and a half with with some of the stories, both that people have probably seen, and then you know some that maybe people don't know. But uh, it, it's a lot of fun working with Bill. Can you give us one? Uh, well, so there, <laughs> again, just off the top of my head, so we're 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 doing a game that you know normally we do a Pac-12 game but there was one weekend where Gonzaga was playing San Diego this year so we we are um 
and Bill lives in San Diego. So they switch us to this game. And so Bill has us over to his house and, uh, you know, he's got a teepee in his backyard, a real teepee. Of course he does. And <laughs> so Bill, of course, wants to, to, to shoot um, some segments for, for the broadcast. And, and <laughs> so there's this one thing. My wife was on the trip. So my wife is in the teepee talking to Bill. And it's Bill talking for about a minute, you know, calling me the house boy, calling me the pool boy, all this stuff uh, for about a minute. And then my wife looks at him and this is on tape and just says, who are you again? And it was <laughs> the, look on, the look on Bill's face was like, oh, you, you got me. And it was funny. He was like smitten after that. Like for the next two days, he was calling me Dave. He would see me be like, hello, Dave, how are you? Um, and I'm like, okay, this is because first of all, you met my wife. And second of all, she, she totally got you. You know, she all the things that he does to me, she did to him. So I, I think he just didn't know how to respond. But a week later it was back to him looking at me when I'd see him at shoot around, like, who are you? And What's your name again? <laughs> so it was short-lived. In fact, I told our producer, I'm like, I think something's wrong with Bill. He's being very nice to me and calling me by my name. Uh, ho hopefully this will not last. And it didn't. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery, call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while, call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd, I, they'd had this. When I was going to college, this would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now. Moves it all. All right, Dave, we want to transition uh, to tonight. Some people may listen to this after the lottery, but I said we have a big lottery party tonight where the Heat with their 1% chance are going to make Pat Riley a genius again and get Zion Williamson. Uh, but obviously you do a, a ton of college basketball, so you know uh, a lot of these players. Uh, who, who? Do, okay, I'll start here with Zion and then move to a couple of the others. What is his potential in the NBA? Is, is he a LeBron? Is he just a cornerstone piece? What do you think he can be? No, I, th I think he could, be, he could be LeBron in the sense of, of changing a franchise and being somebody that, you know, can be the face of the league. Uh, you know, he just, I've never seen anybody like him. And it was similar to when LeBron came out. They're just, you know, there's things about him that you just, you, you've never seen before. And I know people have talked about his shot, but man, in the NCAA tournament, when it counted, I mean, he, he made some big shots. I think his love for the game, his passion for the game, uh, just uh, how he plays above the rim. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything you saw in LeBron James. And so that's why I think that, you know, there's so many eyeballs on this because it's the future of the NBA. Uh, I think John Morant, you know, is, is up there too. I think there's some uniqueness to him, uh, and but he's just not at a level of, of Zion. And, uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen him play a full year. Uh, but that injury, I mean, just like the way that happened where his, his foot blows through the sneaker. I mean, he just even that was captivating and <laughs> led to hours upon hours of, of sports talk uh, about him. So 
I just can't wait to see who gets them because whoever does is, you know, going to be a team that's going to be getting a lot of national TV games uh, next year. And I think, again, he's, he's the future. He's the future of the game. In South Florida, we just hope it's not Cleveland. All right, last one. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like Heat fans have kind of switched from, I hope it's not the Knicks to we hope it's not the Cavs. That's where the, the rivalry has turned here. Um, give us one player before we let you go. One player in this upcoming NBA draft that you saw this year that you like maybe more than a lot of other people do? I mean, the kid, I saw Gonzaga a couple times. I mean, they've got a, they've got a couple guys. I, I, I'll say this. There, there was a guy that I only saw play on television because he got hurt, uh, but we had their team a ton, and he was at practice a lot and talked to the coaches about him a lot, and that's Bull Bull from Oregon. Uh, you know, talk about Zion and John Morant doing things that we haven't seen a lot of, certainly with Zion. I think Bull Bull is similar in that way. Uh, you know, there was a game against Syracuse early in the year where I think he had 35 or 36. I mean, he's out there at 7-2, handling the ball, shooting threes. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, you certainly when you have a foot injury and it's a big, uh, it's a concern. But he's somebody that may go, you know, between 10 and 15 that ends up becoming, you know, an all-star in a few years if he, if he stays healthy. Other than that, doing mostly Pac-12 games, I did not see a lot of great NBA talent this year. There have been years when I have, um, you know, with UCLA, and I remember Lowry Markin, and I, I was, I thought Lowry Markin was going to be great just from watching him in Arizona, and he has been. Um, and I also, you know, conversely, did not think Markel Fultz was going to be very good, um, and that's kind of how it played out. But it, it does help when you've seen these guys a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't see too many of them this year, so sorry, I can't really help you. No problem. No problem. Dave Pash, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate the Josh Rosen stuff's great because I, I do think that there's hope down here, and maybe it is because of seven years of Tannehill, but it's kind of like we are we are a dead sports town right now, Pash. I, you know, I know in Arizona, yeah. with the Car Cardinals and the Suns, uh, it has not been great <laughs> for, for a long time, um, but here it is. Uh, we were trying to figure out who the biggest sports star is in South Florida, and we decided on Sasha Barkov, who could, who could walk through the mall, and nobody would know who he is, so... Uh, we're hoping Josh Rosen is, is Chosen Rosen, uh, which is one of the nicknames we've given him down here. It's not Steve Goldstein, the voice of the Panthers. Ah. He's not the, uh, the biggest celebrity. And Goldie? Not, not, okay. not only, hey, Pash, not only is Steve Goldstein the biggest celebrity down here, he is part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. He hosts our Panthers podcast. So we'll go with that. Goldie's the biggest star in South Florida sports. We'll take it. Um, Dave, thanks for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Yep. Anytime, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Pocket. Thank you so much. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.